We come now to Baptist Catechism 95, which asks, How is the word to be read and heard that it may become effectual to salvation? Answer, that the word may become effectual to salvation, we must attend thereunto with diligence, preparation, and prayer, receive it in faith and love, lay it up in our hearts, and practice it in our lives. For our scripture reading, we will go to James 1 and look at verses 19 through 26, a very familiar passage. Hear now the word of the Lord. Know this, my beloved brothers. Let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness, and receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. But be doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, He is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror, for he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. If anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless." This now, the reading of God's holy word, may he add his blessing to the teaching of the Christian faith even now. When we talk about the ordinary means of grace, two things must always be remembered. On the one hand, we are saying that these are the things that God ordinarily uses to work within the lives of his people. The word of God, read and preached, baptism, the Lord's Supper, and prayer. These four things are rightly identified as being the ordinary means of grace. And by the way, some might ask, what about fellowship? Isn't fellowship a means of grace? Doesn't God work in the lives of His people uh, through the fellowship that we enjoy with one another in the church? And yes, God does work through fellowship. We must admit that. And I would say that that is implied in each one of these means of grace that are mentioned in our catechism. God distributes His grace through the Word read and preached. And I might ask you, where does this happen? Where is the Word of God to be read and preached? Yes, we may read the Word in private, of course. But we must not forget that the Word of God is to be read and preached within uh, the Christian congregation. That is to say, within uh, the church. And God works through baptism and the Lord's Supper. Where are these things to be administered except in the context of the church? Baptism is to be applied, and the Lord's Supper is to be observed when the church assembles for worship. In fact, our union with Christ, and therefore our union with one another, is symbolized through these ordinances, baptism and the Lord's Supper. And the same is true for prayer. Yes, we pray in private, just as we read the Scriptures in private. But the church is to be devoted to prayer when she assembles. So Christian fellowship is everywhere implied in this discussion about the ordinary means of grace. To state the matter differently, if you wish to be nourished by the grace of God as a Christian, then you had better be a part of the church, for God has determined to graciously strengthen, purify, nourish, and encourage His people in the church and through true Christian fellowship. I I don't need to tell you 
how often people err in this regard in our day and age. There are very many people in our modern day who claim to be Christians who want nothing to do with the church. And it is a, it is a contradiction. Uh, to be a Christian is to walk with Christ and to abide in Christ in the church. Uh, the two things go together. Personal faith in Christ, yes. But we are to walk with Christ within the context of the church. It is in the church that we are to be taught to observe all that Christ has commanded. Now to return to the two points that I was making about the ordinary means of grace. On the one hand, we are saying that these are the things that God ordinarily uses to work within the lives of His people. The Word of God read and preached, baptism, the Lord's Supper and prayer. On the other hand, we must guard against the error of thinking that these things work in an automatic fashion, irrespective of the condition of the mind and heart of the one who partakes. Now, these things do not function in an automatic way. Rather, brothers and sisters, we do have the responsibility to partake of these means of grace in a worthy manner, with faith in our hearts and with understanding. I wonder if some might think that this sounds like a strange way of speaking for a Reformed and Calvinistic minister. I think there is this misunderstanding that persists uh, that Calvinists love to talk about the sovereignty of God and only the sovereignty of God. As if the only thing to be said is that God is the one who saves us and God is the one who sanctifies us. It is true that salvation is the work of the Lord. It is not our work. And it is true that sanctification is also the work of the Lord. Uh, He is the one who sanctifies us. But this does not do away with the reality that we are responsible. We are responsible creatures who are to respond uh, to the Word of God uh, proclaimed with faith. We are to engage in all of these things um, mindfully with faith in our hearts and with the intent to obey. The sovereignty of God, in other words, and human responsibility are not opposed to one another, but they do fit together perfectly so. They are both taught in the Scriptures. They do perfectly fit together. And indeed, we do confess that God is sovereign over all, and yet we are responsible creatures. Of course, that needs to be sorted out with great care. But I wanted to make that point before moving onward. We come to be saved and to be sanctified by God's grace alone. That is true. But we are also responsible to repent and believe upon Christ, to turn away from evil and to cling to what is good, and to persevere in Christ, making use of the means of grace that God has provided. We are responsible to do this. And this is why the Scriptures call us to do these things. They are things that we must do, but we can do them only by the free grace of God bestowed upon us. All of this does connect to what we are learning about when it comes to the means of grace God works through these means, that is true, but we are called by God to partake of these means thoughtfully and prayerfully with faith in our hearts. So then, the Word of God is a means of grace. People are brought to salvation through the Word. Uh, No one comes to be saved unless the Word of God is preached. This is ordinarily the way that God saves us through the preaching of the Word. And the same may be said of sanctification. God sanctifies us or matures us by the Word. The Spirit of God works through the Scriptures as they are read and preached. Now we ask, how is the Word to be read and heard 
that it may become effectual to salvation? This is a great question, isn't it? In other words, how are we to approach the Scriptures? What sort of attitude or mindset are we to bring to the Word of God? What sort of intent are we to bring? Let's consider the answer piece by piece. That the Word of God may become effectual to salvation, we must attend thereunto with diligence. Now, that word is very important. With diligence. This means that we are to give attention to the Word of God Regularly, in Proverbs 8.34, we read, Blessed is the one who listens to me, watching daily at my gates, waiting beside my doors. What a beautiful passage here. Uh, We are to listen to the Lord diligently. We are to wait daily at His gates. We are to wait beside His doors. That's a very poetic way of saying that we are to always be with the Lord being eager to hear His Word to us. The one who is wise will run daily to God for wisdom and nourishment, and we must daily partake of the Word of God as it is read and preached. Next, we find the words preparation and prayer. We are to partake of the Word of God having prepared ourselves for it and having prayed that the Lord would indeed feed us and strengthen us by His Word, the prayer of The psalmist in Psalm 119.18 should be our prayer. Uh, There the psalmist says, Open my eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of your law. Uh, What a wonderful prayer this is. He is talking about how much he loves and cherishes the law of God. But here in verse 18, he cries out to the Lord saying, Open my eyes that I may behold the wondrous things out of your law. Give me eyes to see. This is a poetic way of saying, Give me understanding, Lord. And so, I could ask you this question. Do you pray this way on a Saturday night or on a Sunday morning before you come to church to hear the Word of God read and preached? Do you cry out to the Lord saying, Lord, prepare my heart, prepare my mind, and open my eyes that I may behold the wondrous things out of your law? Do you pray for those who minister the Word that they would speak with clarity And that God's Spirit would move upon you and others. Do you come to hear the Word eagerly expecting to hear from the Lord? And I am saying that we should, brothers and sisters. We should expect God to work through the ministry of the Word each and every Lord's Day. And we should come to the assembly with our hearts and minds prepared to receive. You know, we live in an age where Christians may scour the internet and find audio recordings of the most gifted preachers delivering the very best sermons. It's a strange time that we live in. Uh, There was a day where if you wanted to hear uh, the Word preached, you would have to get up and go to church to hear it preached. It's the only place you would hear it. Think about it. That was how things were not long ago. Uh, But in our day and age, you can scour the internet and find the best of preachers preaching the best of sermons. Uh, Before that, you could... Subscribe to these uh, tape or CD ministries. Some of you probably remember those days, you know, where churches would send out uh, tapes or CDs of, of the sermons of, of, of their pastor or preacher. And I'm saying, uh, brothers and sisters, we do need to beware of this. I am not saying it is wrong to listen to sermons online, but we should beware of this. Those resources are a blessing, but do not forget that God has determined to work through the ordinary, ordinary preachers reading and preaching God's Word in an ordinary way. Uh, This is how God has designed things, that when the church assembles, 
a real and living human being is going to minister the living Word of God to real and living people sitting in the pews. This is how God has, has, has ordained uh, things. Uh, and so we have to be mindful of this. Listening to sermons online is no substitute for listening to sermons live and in person. That's really what I'm trying to get at here. To say that there's something about this, this being done in person and in a living way where a pastor is ministering the Word of God to his people. I'm struggling to express it with eloquence and clarity right now, but you get the point. Next, we are instructed to receive the Word in faith and love. To receive God's Word in faith is to receive, is to receive it, believing that it is in fact God's Word to us, that He inspired the composition of it and has preserved it. So that when we read the scriptures, we are in fact reading the very words of God. To receive God's word by faith is also to receive it believing that God will surely keep all of the promises that are found within. One should not expect to be blessed by the word, nourished and strengthened by it, if he comes doubting. For the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. That is James 1, 6 through 7. To receive God's Word with love is to receive it being reassured of God's love for us in Christ and with love in our hearts for God. And so we are to come to a church with the hearts prepared, having prayed that the Lord would give us understanding. We must come with faith in our hearts and with love for God and for one another in our hearts as well. We are to lay up God's Word in our hearts, brothers and sisters. This means that we are to hear God's Word, that we are to meditate upon it, cherish it, and even devote it to memory. This is what Psalm 119.11 so beautifully describes when it says, I have stored up your Word in my heart that I might not sin against you. This is how a young man is to keep his way pure. Take note of this. It is by storing up the Word in the heart so that we might not sin against the Lord. This leads nicely to the last phrase of our catechism, which is practice it in our lives. We are to approach God's Word with the intention of putting it into practice. We must be doers of the Word, to use the language of James, and not hearers only. In fact, do listen to James again. Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted Word. You see, James is saying everything that we're here saying in our catechism. We... We are to receive with meekness or with humility the the Word of God. It it is to be implanted within us. And it is this Word, I quote James again, which is able to save your souls. And then he goes on to say, But be doers of the Word, and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the Word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in the mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. So James is saying, beware, Christian. Beware that you do not hear the Word of God over and over again, but do not practice it. This is a very dangerous thing. To hear the Word of God proclaimed, but to not practice it. You must be a doer of the Word. And in fact, here is where true blessing is found. Not in the hearing only, but in the hearing and doing. The one who does the Word of God, the one who acts according to the Word of God, will be blessed in his doing. The one who diligently hears God's Word read and preached, with their heart prepared, 
in faith and with love towards God, with the resolve to obey what God commands, will be blessed. To approach God's word in this way is a very good thing. It is a means of grace for the people of God. And I am afraid that it is a very dangerous thing, however, to approach God's word in a careless manner. To come to it casually and unprepared, with unbelief and lack of love for God in the heart, with no intention to obey what is said. Both the scriptures and experience testify that to approach God's word in this careless way leads not to blessing, but in fact to curse, to a curse. The one who approaches God's word in this careless way will find their heart growing harder and harder with the passing of time and not softer towards God and the things of God. And so let us approach God's word with reverence, brothers and sisters. How is the word of God to be read and heard that it may become effectual to salvation? Answer, that the word may become effectual to salvation, we must attend thereunto with diligence, preparation and prayer, receive it in faith and love, lay it up in our hearts, and practice it in our lives. What a wonderful answer that we have been given. Let us pray briefly and then we will go to corporate prayer. Father in heaven, I do ask that you would Bless us with this grace. Bless us with this wisdom to love your word, to store it in our minds and to treasure it in our hearts and to live in obedience to it. Lord, I pray for those who have been in the faith for some time that you would help them to persevere in this, O God. And I pray for those who are young and even young in the faith that you would grant them this grace Uh, that they would be moved along to walk in your ways and to cherish your word. Do this for your glory and our good. In the name of Christ we pray. Amen.